Welcome to the KC Express, where we share different types of literary genre, critical, constructive book reviews by our listening audience, and we inform you about what's going on in the 55 and older crowd. We also want to help new writers and gospel artists improve. This program is sponsored in part by the F.W. Coleman Theater Club for Seniors, Moore Publishers Corporation, and members of the Mississippi Industrial College Alumni Association. Hi, I'm narrator Stephanie Thomas, and I have the honor and pleasure of narrating a wonderful short story from one of my favorite authors, Miss Renee Taylor. The story I'll be reading is titled Uncle Junior, one of many wonderful short stories from Renee Taylor's book titled Tales of Deliverance, a collection of heartwarming, thought-provoking tales. So welcome to Storytime. As I sat on the living room floor, I began to smile. Monica Harris. I pictured in my mind's eye that when my name was called, my whole family and fellow students were applauding. I proudly walked across the stage to receive my high school diploma. Not only was I graduating, but also I was graduating with honors. I had the invitations on my lap, even counting them more than once to make sure I had enough to invite my entire family. Then I placed the invitations on the floor next to me and began to name each family member. One card was for Mom, one for my brother Anthony, two for my sisters Regina and Sharon, and finally, yet importantly, though I pondered for a moment, one for my stepfather Ray. Ray was the biological father of my three siblings. However, he had never done much for them or me. I just liked the thought of having a father figure in my life. See, I never really knew my real father. My mother said he left shortly after I was born. I recently found an address for him, and I'd written several letters, but never got a response. Uncle Junior was somewhat like a father figure, too. He and my mom had been friends for over 20 years. He had been around my family for so long, it seemed as if he'd always been there. That's why we called him Uncle Junior. He was always buying me things, and I could tell it bothered Anthony and Sharon a lot. Regina really didn't care as long as I shared with her. I thought Uncle Junior gave me more attention because I didn't have my biological father around. Uncle Junior came around a lot, but he didn't talk much. He just sat and stared. That could have been because he was badly injured in the military. His face was severely burned and somewhat disfigured. He walked with a limp and had a prosthetic leg, and unfortunately he lost an eye too. He hid behind a pair of dark sunglasses, and I admit that when I was younger I was very afraid of him. One time when he removed his sunglasses to wipe the sweat, I could see his entire face. The burns around his eyes hadn't quite healed yet. He didn't have his artificial eye then, and when I saw the wound, I screamed and ran towards my mother. After that incident, he never took those sunglasses off again. I was puzzled because whenever my mother would get tipsy, angry, or frustrated about money, I noticed that she would take it out on Uncle Junior by making fun of his afflictions. I couldn't understand how my mother could be so cruel to him, or why he even continued to come around. For years, Uncle Junior would invite everyone over for dinner, but no one would go, not even my mother. My mother would always try to persuade me not to visit Uncle Junior, which made absolutely no sense to me. One particular time, I felt so sorry for him, I begged Regina to go with me and have dinner, so she did. Uncle Junior's house was unbelievably immaculate, with the most expensive furniture I'd ever seen. He had four bedrooms, 
but only three of them were fully finished. As we walked through the house, I was about to open the door to one of the bedrooms when someone on the other side slammed the door shut. I ran screaming for my uncle, and looking back, pointing at the door, Who's in there? I asked. I'm caring for someone who's disabled, and I'm sorry he frightened you. Go on and continue looking around, said Uncle Junior. I headed down the hall to another room. This special bedroom was decorated for a little girl. The room was filled with cream-colored antique furniture along with purple and pink accessories. Above the bed on the wall were gold glittering letters that read Princess. There was also a fully furnished Barbie dollhouse. I looked behind me to make sure no one was watching, and I sat on the floor and began playing with the dolls and the dollhouse. I remember asking my mother for a dollhouse when I was eleven years old, but I never got one. We didn't have much money growing up, so I understood. After my sister and I toured the house, we sat down and had dinner with Uncle Junior. The food was delicious. He made one of my favorite meals, a roast with mashed potatoes, brown gravy, string beans, and homemade dinner rolls. As I was about to put a forkful of food in my mouth, Uncle Junior began to pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, the meal, and the special guests. Amen. I sat there holding my fork with my mouth wide open in shock. My sister glanced over at me, and I could tell she was shocked, too. Over the years, we had never heard Uncle Junior say more than twenty words. There was another place setting on the table, so I asked Uncle Junior if his friend would be joining us. Uncle Junior excused himself from the table, and minutes later he returned alone. It'll only be the three of us. My guest changed his mind. Shortly after dinner, Uncle Junior served dessert. We had cheesecake with strawberries and whipped cream. While eating dessert, I couldn't resist asking, Uncle Junior, do you have a child we don't know about? He looked at me with a slight smile on his face and said, There was a child. What happened to her, I asked. It's a long story, and I don't care to talk about it. Out of nowhere, my sister asked, Can I have that bedroom set? I nudged her and said, Uncle Junior, she's just kidding. An hour later, we thanked him for the dinner and headed out the door. Can I give you girls a ride home, he asked. No, sir, I responded, but thanks. Later that night, I couldn't sleep, and all I could think about was Uncle Junior and the daughter he lost. I truly believe that was why he did so much for me. He lost his daughter, and I never knew my father. I felt awful. He had done so much for me over the years, but even knowing that, I still didn't invite him to my graduation. Well, June 6, 2003 arrived. It was graduation day. I should have been happy, but I wasn't. The only family members who showed up were my mother and Regina. I couldn't believe the rest of my family didn't think enough of me to come. Many of my fellow classmates were shedding tears of joy, but my tears were just the opposite. While riding home from the graduation ceremony, I stared out the window, thinking about how special this day could have been if only the rest of my family had shown up. How terrible I felt for not inviting Uncle Junior, because he was more like a father to me than Ray. I should have invited him instead. I had to admit that up until that point, I was ashamed of Uncle Junior because of the way he looked. I'd come to realize it doesn't matter how a person looks on the outside. It's what's on the inside that counts the most. As my mother pulled in front of the house, 
we noticed an unfamiliar car parked in our driveway. It was a brand new red Honda Accord. My mother was furious because she didn't know to whom the car belonged. She quickly got out of the car and rushed into the house. My sister and I were right behind her. My brother Anthony was sitting on the couch when my mother asked him if he knew who parked the car in our driveway. Anthony looked at me and tossed a set of keys. It's yours, Monica, he said. Regina appeared to be shocked but happy for me. My mother didn't seem surprised at all. I was speechless and very nervous. Who left the car, I asked Anthony. He didn't say a word, he just handed me an envelope. My hands were trembling as I opened it. I was in total shock when I read the card. Monica, you have accomplished so much, and I'm very proud of you. Love, Uncle Junior. Regina took the card from me and read it. You're so lucky, she said. I could tell by the expression on my mother's face that she wasn't too happy about the car, and neither was Anthony. My mother walked out of the room and didn't say a word to me. Regina wanted to go for a ride, but I felt I should call Uncle Junior first. I picked up the phone and just held it. I couldn't do it, so I quickly hung up the phone. I was too ashamed to call him because I didn't invite him to my graduation. And so overwhelmed with guilt, I couldn't drive the car for weeks. After graduation, we didn't see or hear from Uncle Junior for three months, which was very unusual. Nor did I have the courage to call him or stop by his house, and I felt guilty every time I drove the car. I asked God to forgive me for the way I felt towards my uncle in the past, and I prayed that God would bring him back into my life. Well, I began college in the fall. Strangely, several months later, I became very ill. As I was about to leave the campus one day, I headed to my car and I collapsed. I woke up at the hospital with an IV in my left arm. Looking around the room, there was Regina fast asleep in a chair next to my bed. Moments later, when she awakened, I asked her if she knew what had happened to me. Looking extremely serious, she held my hand and nodded no. I asked for my mother, and Regina told me she had gone home to get some rest. Finally, the doctor came in with my chart. I started crying before he had a chance to say anything. He sat beside my bed and said, Monica, you have a rare kidney disease, and you will need a transplant. Your name has been put on the donor list, but in the meantime, you will need to go on dialysis. I was crying so hard until it felt as though I had a lump in my throat. The doctor tried to console me by rubbing the back of my hand. Then when he left the room, my sister embraced me and held me tight. I drifted off to sleep, and when I woke up, my mother, stepfather Ray, Sharon, and Anthony were all in the room with me. I felt better having them there, but I would have felt even better if Uncle Junior had been there also. So I took the first step of healing and wrote Uncle Junior a letter. I didn't mention my situation because I just wanted him to know how much I loved and appreciated him. I also apologized for any pain I might have caused him over the years. Being in the hospital was very difficult for me, but one particular nurse named Juanita always seemed to find a way to brighten my day. Juanita would spend time talking and praying with me each day. One night Juanita grabbed both my hands and said, You may find this difficult to believe but I strongly feel something great is about to happen to you. Since I hadn't been able to sleep at night, 
Juanita encouraged me to spend some time talking to God. I took her advice and found myself talking to him quite often, which made me feel so much better. Then the time came for me to start dialysis. I was nervous, so I was trying to find something funny to watch on television to take my mind off the treatment. Fifteen minutes later, in walked the doctor and my favorite nurse, Juanita. Dr. Green rubbed the back of my hand and said, I have good news. We found a kidney donor. I covered my face and began to cry. He said, I've scheduled your surgery for tomorrow morning. And then he left the room. I asked Juanita if she knew the donor. The donor is your father, she said. With a puzzled look on my face, I blurted, Who? Ray? No, sweetie. I'm referring to your biological father. I thought to myself, my mother must have gotten in touch with my real father and told him about my condition. I leaned towards Juanita and glanced at my chart. I saw a document with the name Lee Anderson written on it. I thought to myself, my mother told me my father's name is Marvin Davis. I looked at Juanita and said, I'm so confused. Juanita smiled at me. Would you like to meet him, she asked. He's in the lab on the seventh floor right now. I was reluctant to answer, but I was also very curious. Yes, I want to see him. Juanita helped me out of the bed and into a wheelchair. As we rode the elevator to the seventh floor, my heart was pounding and my palms were sweaty. Juanita wheeled me into the room where several people were giving blood. I looked around the room trying to guess who my father might be. As Juanita stood next to me, she said, Sweetie, he's behind you. I slowly maneuvered the wheelchair around, and there was Uncle Junior. My vision became blurry from the overflow of tears in my eyes. What in the world is going on, I thought to myself. Uncle Junior and I just looked at each other for about 20 seconds, and I wheeled myself towards him. How could this be? Are you my father, I asked. Uncle Junior just sat there in total silence. I hung my head low, with both hands covering my eyes, and began to cry. Next, I heard someone whisper, Junior is not your father. I am. I slowly raised my head, and across from me sat a man in a wheelchair. I glanced at the man. I turned and looked at Uncle Junior and then quickly yelled for Nurse Juanita. Don't be afraid, Monica. Let me explain, said Uncle Junior. The two of you are scaring me. I want to go back to my room. Nurse Juanita came over kneeled down beside me and said, I'll stay close by, sweetie. Go ahead and talk to them. Uncle Junior began to explain. Years ago, your mother and I were involved, and we made plans to get married. While I was overseas, I was injured during an explosion. That's how I lost my left leg and how my face was burned. After having several surgeries, I came back to the States. Your mother just couldn't deal with the way I looked and no longer wanted to be with me. I was bothered by her decision, being that she was pregnant. Then later she told me the baby was Marvin's, my brother. The man sitting next to me is your father, and he's also my brother. Uncle Junior tried to continue explaining, but I quickly interrupted him. No, this is crazy. I don't want to hear any more. Marvin hesitated but began to speak. Monica. I know this is a lot to take in, and this is probably not the right time to be getting into this, but I heard you needed a kidney. 
I had to come to your rescue. Excuse me? My rescue? I responded with a bitter tone. I've written you several letters over the years, and not once have you ever tried to contact me. You abandoned me, so now you think you can make up for all those years by showing up and donating a kidney? Monica, it's a long story, and there's no excuse for my behavior. For starters, I should have never gotten involved with your mother knowing that Junior was already involved with her. After Deborah told Junior I was the father, Junior and I got into a brutal fight on the second floor of his house. I lost my balance and fell over the banister. I was left paralyzed from the fall, and I was bitter behind the whole ordeal. I blamed Junior and Deborah instead of taking responsibility for my actions. I had no business getting involved with your mother. I know now that we must be mindful of the choices we make because there are always consequences. Okay, I understand all that, but what about me? Why did you choose not to be a part of my life? I was stubborn, prideful, angry, and embarrassed because of my affliction, said Marvin. I moved in with Junior shortly after I was paralyzed. Your mother knew I was there, that's why she never came over to visit, nor did she want you to come. I watched Junior father you over the years while I sat in the background feeling sorry for myself. Here Junior was struggling with his own afflictions, but he put all of his issues on the back burner to take care of you. This situation has taught me a valuable lesson. As fathers, we must step up to the plate and take responsibility for our children regardless of our situations. Monica, the little girl's room was for you, said Uncle Junior. When you were a little girl, I overheard you tell your mother what kind of bedroom and dollhouse you wanted. So I went out and bought everything you asked. I used to pray that your mother would let you sleep over from time to time, but she never did. In addition, you were so afraid of me back then. When you were only six years old, you were hospitalized with pneumonia, and I slept in the waiting room the whole time you were there. The night of your prom, I parked outside of your mother's house so I could get a good look at you. You looked so beautiful that night in your long black and silver strapless dress. But why, I interrupted. Why did you do all these things for me when you knew I wasn't your daughter? Ever since you were a little girl, I have always been drawn to you for some reason. I loved your mother, and I felt you should have been my daughter. I would think about you constantly, wishing you were my daughter. I also felt responsible for what happened to Marvin. Monica, it was foolish and selfish of me to abandon you because of my condition, said Marvin. I should have been thanking God for allowing me to live, but instead I've been so ungrateful. I know that giving you a kidney can't make up for 19 years without a father. I just don't want you to be angry with your Uncle Junior, and I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me one day. I turned towards Uncle Junior and wheeled my chair close to him. Removing the sunglasses from his face, I placed my hand on his cheek. How can I be angry with a person as caring as you? I thank God for you, although you're not my father. I have come so close to knowing what it really is to have one. Uncle Junior quickly put back on his sunglasses. He didn't want me to see his face, nor did he want me to see him cry. I removed his sunglasses once again and said, you don't have to hide behind these sunglasses. I love you just the way you are. The three of us talked for hours. I learned that my father's full name was Lee Marvin Anderson. He goes by his middle name, which is Marvin. 
My father does not have the same last name as Uncle Junior because he is Marvin's half-brother. They have different fathers. Uncle Junior's real name is James Murphy Jr. Then I was so angry with my mother for not telling me about Marvin. Uncle Junior and Marvin encouraged me to forgive her because we all make mistakes. For many years I really thought of Uncle Junior as my real uncle and come to find out he really is. After I was released from the hospital, I recuperated at Uncle Junior's house in my dream bedroom. Through my affliction, I have grown closer to God, Uncle Junior and Marvin, my biological father. Now even at 19, I can't wait until I'm feeling better to experience my childhood dream and play with my Barbie dolls and dollhouse. I've discovered that in spite of the frustrations and feelings overlooked, we never know what is in store for us. God works all things together for our good.